Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. It's great to have you with us. If you're here for the first time, thank you so much for coming. We're just a normal bunch of people who at some stage in our lives have met Jesus and he turned our lives to a different direction. And we love that you're here and we would love for you to join in this journey that we are on. Today, I'm going to be continuing and maybe concluding a series called The City of God. But let me introduce it by talking about the movie The Matrix. I don't know if you've seen the film The Matrix, but in The Matrix, the idea behind the film is that everybody's going about their normal daily lives thinking this is reality, but it's a computer simulation. And a man called Neo starts to suspect there's something wrong with reality. And he finds a man called Morpheus who knows the truth. And Morpheus offers him a red pill and a blue pill. And he says, if you take the blue pill, that's the end of the story. You'll wake up in your bed tomorrow morning and forget everything and you'll just carry on with your life as normal. But if you take the red pill, I will show you the truth, the reality behind this illusion. And Neo takes the red pill and he gets shown the reality, that there's a real city it's not just this pretend world that everyone thinks there's a real city and that city is called zion there's so many biblical references in that movie the matrix but we believe that this world is real but there's a deeper reality and we want to look at it we want to take the red pill the book of revelation in the bible is about taking the red pill the word revelation means pulling back unfolding unveiling showing us the reality behind what we thought was real have you ever stood in front of large glass windows and you can see your reflection in them but if you refocus your eyes you can see through your reflection and you can see what's behind that's what the book of Revelation is about we could call it the book of red pillation. It's taking a pill and unveiling our eyes and showing us something. And in the book of Revelation, right at the start, the apostle John, who's an old man, he's in his 90s, and he gets a revelation. In chapter 1 and verse 10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. John knew these cities. He had walked down the streets of Smyrna, Pergamos. He'd lived in Ephesus. He knew the people. He knew the corner cafe and the guy who ran it he knew all about it but Jesus was unveiling his eyes and showing him something behind it he was showing him how Jesus saw the city of Ephesus Smyrna Pergamum and all the different cities and the fact that the city in God's eyes was a church and a church was a city it wasn't an earthly set up anymore it wasn't just a civil society it was something spiritual and something powerful and i've got great news for us today brothers and sisters jesus sees us 
in a different way to what we normally see each other and see ourselves. And we're going to see that today. And it's beautiful. And it's encouraging. Because how many of us know that the reality is what Jesus sees and not what we see? The eternal and the spiritual is what's really real and which will last forever. This physical world is real, but it's passing away. There will come a time where everything will be melted as in fire, the Bible says. And then the reality of the spiritual world will continue. And so we need to see that spiritual reality and get it in our brains and in our hearts all the time because it will change the way that we live. So, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. These are huge, big, bright, burning lampstands, golden and shining bright. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his hand in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Friends, I wanna, I'm going to continue with reading some of the message that he gave. But I want to just pause there and say Jesus sees our church as a city and as a lampstand and he is walking amongst the lampstands have you ever used google earth it's it's a program that you can get on your phone or on your computer and it shows you a map of an area and you can ask to see it as um, a map or as a, a satellite image and then you can click on various buttons and you can say i want to see where all the breakfast places are where I can get pizza and a maca copper chacachino, whatever it is. And it'll show you all the little places and little icons spring up on the map. And then you can say, I want to see places of interest or I want to see photos. And it gives you different perspectives on a geographical area. When Jesus looks at our city, our island, our area, he looks and he can see the terrain, he can see the normal geographical look of the place. But then he looks deeper and he looks at the reality. He takes the red pill, or we take the red pill and see like he does, and we see lampstands, and they are churches. And Jesus is walking in amongst the lampstands. He is intimately involved and extremely interested in what's going on. When we read the seven messages to the seven churches that we're going to read in a moment, he knows intimate details about them. 
He knows the name of a man who gave his life in one of the cities for the gospel. Antipas, my faithful servant. He knows the name of the people who are attacking them. He knows the challenges they have. He knows the intimate details. He says he knows their work, their labor, their perseverance. He knows what's going on. He's watching and smiling and, and getting emotional with every single thing that's happening in the lampstands. And another thing that's interesting is that even though these churches and these cities were in a very close geographical area, each of them was a separate lampstand. They were a separate church. They had a separate leader called the angel, and he had different instructions for them, different uh, commendations. He said, well done. Different rebukes. He said, this is not good. And a different mission. He said, if you overcome and do the thing that I've told you to do, you will get your reward in heaven. Each lampstand was different. It had its own flavor and its unique characteristics. What do I pull out of this? Number one, our church you know, John could have remembered the church in Ephesus. He remembers the names of the people and the, the people he's had dinner with because John had lived in Ephesus. He had been the overseer, the pastor, if you like, of that whole city church. He could remember the, the physical aspects of it, but then he saw that actually in Jesus' eyes, it's not just a church, and Ephesus is not just a city. It's a lampstand and it's a city. And I want to say to you that our church and our city is linked to the other churches around us because the churches weren't in competition with each other. They were working together. But it's unique. It's got its own unique identity and flavor. And each church that Jesus plants is unique. He has a task and a mission for each church. He has a different message for each church, and he's watching closely to see what each church is doing, and he's walking in the midst of the lampstands. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. And when you look, think in terms of cities, what he was saying is, Ephesus used to be a city a civil city, but the devil was in control of it. The gates of hell, the city of Ephesus was an outpost of Hades, and there were gates there. But when Paul and uh, Paul, uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla and the rest of them came into Ephesus and they brought the gospel into Ephesus, the gates of Hades did not prevail. Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loosed. They unlocked the gates of hell in Ephesus and they brought the light in and it became a lampstand, a city on a hill, shining its light. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says to us, and he says to every single church, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives its light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus' plan is for us 
to come into civil cities where Hades has its gates, to use the keys of the kingdom to break in and then to shine and be a lampstand that shines out of that place. And he says, you are a city, the city of God. Every single church is a city. And every church is different. You know, the seven cities of Revelation were reasonably close. They were about 50 kilometers apart, about the size of greater London. But in one of the areas where Laodicea is, that's the seventh church, there were two other churches very close, within five kilometers. Colossae, which the book of Colossians was written to, and then there was Laodicea, and then there was Hierapolis. And each one of those, even though they were only five kilometers apart, they were the same place, really. In modern language, we would have said, there's only one church in that area. No, no, there are three lampstands there. And I want to say that every lampstand that Jesus has planted in a suburb, in a city, in a place, is a separate lampstand. Jesus is walking amongst the lampstands. And he's holding seven stars in his hands. What are stars? In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, He who turns many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. And the word is angel, it's angelos in the Greek, which really just means messenger. Sometimes it means angelic messenger. But there are several times in the Bible where that same word angelos means human messenger. So John the Baptist was called an angelos, an angel, a messenger. John the Baptist's disciples, it says John sent his messengers and they were called angelos, his messengers. Jesus in one place, he sent messengers ahead of him to a town in Samaria and it's that word angelos, messenger. And it says also uh, in the New Testament that the messengers who came to Rahab the prostitute were angelosses, were angels. So I believe where it says he holds the seven stars in his hands, it's talking about messengers. God decides there's somebody in each city who's going to be the leader, who's going to be the, the final one who brings the message. Not that we can't all hear from God, but somebody says this is what God is saying to the city and this church. And then obviously in each city there were elders at the gate of every city who made decisions and managed the city and God puts elders in churches as well. So a city like Ephesus would have had lots of churches meeting in people's homes but there was one angelos, messenger, angel who was Paul originally, then he handed over to Timothy, and then Timothy handed over to John the Apostle, and then there were elders, many elders who helped organize the city and the churches in the homes were joined together and Jesus said that is a lampstand friends we are whether you take the red pill or not whether you've understood it or not we are a lampstand God has established us it's not a human thing it's not a human idea it's not a human organization with politics and jostling for position and let's, let's try and do things the way they do in the Rotary Club down the road. No, Jesus is the head of the church and he plants the lampstand and he can remove the lampstand if he wants to. So let's look at one of the messages to one of the seven churches. Each of them is different. They each have unique characteristics and they are very different, all seven. And I want to say that the things God says to us, this lighthouse, this lampstand, is different to what he says to our dear brothers down the road in the other lampstand. We love them, but they have a different message and a different mission to us. We have unique characteristics. 
But let's read. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. To the messenger, he writes. And, and then he tells the messenger that some rebukes. So that's why he's not talking to an angelic being, because angels don't sin. He's talking to humans. He says, to the angel, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus, right? And God is speaking to us, just like he spoke to this church in Ephesus in 96 AD. He is still speaking to every single lampstand, every church in every city of the world. He's interested. He's, he's involved right now. These things, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. Somebody got here today, early. Myra got here early, and she was working in the kitchen. James was here early. Several of us were here early. And they were working, and they thought nobody knew. And others were in bed snoring. And they were putting out cups and washing. Jesus says, I know. I'm walking and I'm watching. And I know. And I'm the only one that really matters, even if nobody else knows. Amen? I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars, and you have persevered, and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Well done, he says. Forty years you've been existing as a lampstand since it was first established, this church in Ephesus. It's now 40 years later. He says, well done. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. What's he saying here? He's saying, well done, I know what you've done and I'm pleased and I'm proud. Nevertheless, means I'm not saying those other things are bad. Well done for those, but there is a slight tweak and the tweak is the motivation, the fire, the passion that originally caused you to do all those works has gone out. And now you're doing it out of duty, out of habit, out of some other reason, tradition. It's a bit like a married couple who you see them, you knew them when I've now been married long enough that I know some people who I knew them before they were married and now I know them now that they've been married 30 years. And you, you remember how they were as giggly, giddy little teenagers before they got married and they would just stay up all night talking and do crazy things and spend crazy amounts of money for each other and now you see them and they're bored and they hardly even talk to each other. They're going through the motions of marriage but the passion is gone. Do you know anyone like that? He says, this church was like that. It's a bit like a husband and wife. And before they were married, he said, I love you so much, I could eat you up. And she says, now we've been married 30 years, what's happened? He says, I, I got full. I've had enough. It's sad but true. But I want to say that even though in marriage, it's very hard to reignite that first flame. You say to a couple, can't you remember how you felt when you first met them, how you chose them, how you committed your love to them when you got married? Can't you remember and reignite those feelings and all the offenses and the rubbish of all the years just gets in the way of that? With a human marriage, it's, it's possible but difficult to remove all those obstacles and forgive all those offenses and get back to the first love. 
but with a Christian relationship, we can get back to our first love because the person on the other side is not a human being, it's God himself. God says, remember, repent, and redo, and then you will get back your first love. Let me read it to you. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works again, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. He says, remember, remember what you first felt. Remember what you first learned when you first became a Christian. Remember what you first did. Can you remember? Can you remember you heard a message of grace that said it's not about your good works. You are a sinner, but God loves you anyway. He forgives you. He's paid the price to wash you clean. And you came with a feeling of humble gratitude and joy and said, thank you, God, for forgiving me. And because of that, you were zealous to serve him. He says, remember. And now think about all the things that have built up in the way. Maybe you've heard wrong doctrine since then that's caused you to think you have to work for your salvation. Maybe you've sinned and you feel so guilty about your lack of obedience that there's this blockage between you and God. Maybe it's just you've failed to be passionate about God. You've just cut corners in every little area of your Christian life. In your giving, you've reduced it. In your volunteering, you've reduced it. In your worship, you've held your hands down instead of lifting them. And because of that, you've just got harder and harder in your heart, and the first love has drained away. He says, remember when you first got saved. Repent of what's changed since then and then redo it again, start again. In other words, come as if you were a baby getting saved again, a baby Christian, and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, thank you for your grace. I have nothing to offer. I'm not a great person, I'm not a great Christian. I humble myself and I just revel and rest and love you in your grace again. And he says, then your first love will come back because the person on the opposite side is God Almighty and he rushes in and he forgives and he re-energizes you. Why does he say he'll remove their lampstand if they don't? He's not saying he'll take away their salvation. He's saying if you remain without your first love, you can't just keep doing the works out of your own effort for, forever. Eventually you will fall away because your heart gets harder and harder. And then I will have to take away my lampstand because I can't have the world seeing a dead church and thinking that is a representation of Almighty God. And so I'll put my lampstand somewhere else. But then he says, But this you do have. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Can I try and make this very personal now for us as Lighthouse? I believe, I prayed, and I believe the Lord is saying, well done. I see your works. You, you, we're not an old church, but he says you've done well. You've seen those who say they are apostles and are not. We've had our fair share of people coming into this church 
proclaiming how great they are in Christ and then showing that they're not and they've gone. And the Lord says, well done. You've kept your faith. You've kept to what's right and what's true. But I have this against you. And I feel like the Lord says this. You've allowed, through being an open-handed, an open-armed church, you've allowed everybody in. And he says, that's great. Bring the world in. Let the world come in and hear the gospel. But then he, I believe he said to me, those who are shining the light have allowed the outsiders to dim their light and to water down their faith. And so they're embarrassed to raise their hands in church because of what others around them will say and think. They're embarrassed to say what they believe and what they know about Christ, their love for Christ and their passion for Christ um, and what they believe about the Bible because there's so many others around who might disagree and it feels, oh, I don't want to offend people. And the Lord said, shine your light. Don't be embarrassed. This is a safe place to be yourself, to be a Christian who loves Jesus, to dance for worship, to say what you believe, to express your love for God and to say what the Bible says without fearing what others say around you. And I felt like the Lord said, the water that is around the light of this church is murky and there's bits of sediment in it but if we who have the light will shine it's not that we must stop receiving others in we must let them come in but we must shine brightly and they will be changed and the light will get even brighter in fact it will be magnified friends jesus is walking in the midst of his churches we are not the same as the church down the road they are great and they have their own mission their own lampstand but god has given us something to do and it's a wonderful thing he's given us our own flavor we're we're not religious we have a way of doing things there are certain values in the bible that we hold extremely dear there, there's banners up around the church right now grace relationships all involved charismatic reaching out evangelistic these are the, the expressions of who we are as a church and god has given us a mission and an open door and it's a wonderful thing, but he says, reveal, open, take away the veil, take the red pill. Don't be dulled by the blue pill and the world around you. Don't think this is just an earthly thing. We are earthly people and we make mistakes. I am not an angel, even though Revelation 2 verse 1 says, I am the angel of this church. I am not. I am a, a weak and fallible human being and so are you. But there's a reality behind it. Jesus says, look with your spiritual eyes and see how I see you, church. I planted this lampstand. That's what God says. I planted it. Humans can't do it. Humans can't start churches. Jesus said, I build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Jesus is the one who maintains the lampstand. Jesus is the one who directs the lampstand and tells us how to change and where to go. And he says, if you will overcome, if you will stay firm, if you will keep looking at the truth of what I say is real about this church and the mission that I've given you and burning bright for Christ, he says that veil between the earthly and the spiritual is extremely thin. The promises that he gives to the church of the seven churches, you'll eat the manna, you'll eat from the tree of life, you'll sit on a throne You'll rule the nations. He, he says if you'll just stick with it for a little bit, 
You'll have part of heaven here on earth, that's great, but very soon you'll receive your reward. And eternity, eternity in heaven, receiving a reward for what you did as a city in this place. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.